Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Please be seated. There's a seminary fable about a professor teaching on the Athanasian Creed. And the professor quoted a particular part of the creed where he said, the Father is incomprehensible, the Son is incomprehensible, the Holy Ghost is incomprehensible. Yet there are not three incomprehensibles, but one incomprehensible. To which a student said, the whole bloody thing sounds incomprehensible. Do we understand the faith which God has entrusted to us in the creed? Do we understand that we've been entrusted with a living faith, a faith to proclaim from our heart, overflowing from our lips to one another and to the world? And so today we begin a preaching series on the Nicene Creed, the living faith of the church. The creed was composed by the fathers of the church at the councils of, of Nicaea in 325, I was not there, and Constantinople 381. So technically, the creed which we call the Nicene Creed is the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. But that would be too difficult for me to say every week. Please stand and join me in praying the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. And so we simply call it the Nicene Creed. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the fathers at these two great councils of the church sought to articulate afresh for their generation and for all subsequent generations until the second coming of the Lord, the faith revealed by God through his Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Scriptures, and articulated in the writings of the early church fathers before them. They were not interested in creating the faith. They were not interested in stating, this is what we believe, and we're gathered with other like-minded persons who believe the same thing. They were, they were concerned with proclaiming for all the world, and indeed to all creation until the end of time, that faith which God had revealed. At Nicaea in 325, they professed the divinely revealed faith of God regarding the person of Jesus Christ, one person, fully God and fully man. They spoke against the heresies of a presbyter, a priest, named Arius from Alexandria and his father's followers, who denied the full divinity of Jesus, saying there was a time when Christ was not. It's actually hard for me to even articulate, even when teaching. 
But Arius and his followers believed that Jesus, the Christ, was uh, lower than God, but greater to all other parts of creation. He was created before all other things by God and was the instrument through whom God created all other things. And he's superior to all creation, but inferior to God. And there was a time when he did not exist with the Father. Well, this was a heresy. It was the enemy attempting to lead people away from the truth regarding Jesus Christ, who is one person, fully God, and fully man. Emmanuel, God himself, so loving you, so loving me, so loving the world, that he came himself into the world. In Constantinople in 381, they professed the divinely revealed faith of God regarding the Holy Trinity and the personhood and divinity of the Holy Spirit. But you see, in some ways, they were forced to define these things because heresies arose. Unlike us, the early church was particularly comfortable with mystery. They allowed a great deal of mystery. They understood truly that first and foremost, God is so far beyond our comprehension, thus incomprehensible, that God is so infinitely beyond any part of his creation that anything we say in one sense falls short. And so they were comfortable with saying, firstly, God is a mystery. However, in order that we may enter into relationship with God and into right relationship with him, God himself has revealed through his word, through the Holy Scriptures, what he wants us to know. That we might have some relationship with him. When I first met Christine... I didn't know her, but as, we, as I got to know her, I began to have a relationship with her. It's the same with God. God wants you to know him. And so he reveals things about himself. I, of course, only revealed to Christine the better parts. I sent her a picture from like five years earlier when I had hair and stuff like that. The early church was comfortable with mystery. Now, there's something I do when I offer this teaching uh, on the creeds that even though this is being recorded today, they're not going to be able to see because it's just an audio recording. But see, in the early church, there was a great mystery. And you could dance anywhere inside that mystery. That's right, I am smooth on my feet, right? Thanks be to God they can't see it, right? And as long as you were somewhere within the realm of that mystery, you were within the faith that God himself had revealed to the world in his son, Jesus. 
But sadly, there were people who attempting to try to comprehend God began to dance outside those boundaries. Too far this way or too far that way. Some so emphasizing the oneness of God that they lost the distinction of the three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or some so emphasizing the divinity of Christ lost the humanity of Christ. And so the church was, was forced, in a sense, to establish the boundaries within the mystery, to enable us to be still within the faith of the church. And so the creeds are never meant to be exhaustive. That is, this is the fullness of what God has revealed, but rather to serve as a springboard into the divine mystery of God. Have you ever gone to one of those places where you can run down a track and you jump on the springboard and then you go into like a pool of, of yeah, foam or something? Thank you, Jen. I knew there was someone crazy enough to know what I was talking about. But, well, yeah, uh, this makes sense right here, yeah. <laughs> right? And so the creeds are a springboard into the great depths of the mystery of God that we might have right relationship with God. The Nicene Creed is the creed of the universal church. That is, it doesn't belong to any particular Christian denomination or tradition, but to all Christians as the revelation of God. The Nicene Creed isn't something Anglican or Presbyterian. It's not something Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox. It's not something Methodist or Lutheran. The Nicene Creed is the living faith of the church revealed by God through his Son and through his word to the church. It is not so much a statement of faith, but a profession of a living faith from the heart. When we profess it, we join our hearts and voices with Christians from every age in proclaiming the faith that God has revealed in his word. Having been received by the whole church, East and West, as a summary of God's divine revelation, it is not subject to change. No tradition, denomination, movement, or person, not even an archdeacon, that was a joke, can change what God has revealed in his Son and through his Holy Word. We must understand, and this is perhaps the most important point for today, when we say the creed, we are not the church coming together saying, this is what we believe about God. No, it's something different. We are saying, this is what God has revealed about God. 
You know when you're talking to your children and you want them to do something and you say to them, now I want you to make sure you clean up your room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what did I just say to you? Repeat it back to me. You want me to clean up my room. Yes, and that's exactly how I sounded when I said it to you. You see, God is revealing the faith of, that is articulated in the creed to us, and we are the children repeating it back to him. It's not us gathering together saying, hey, what do we think about God? Let's profess it to the world. It's God telling us what he wants us to know about him. Do you see the difference there? That's such an important difference. In all other religions, man is trying to figure out God and to attain to God. In Christianity, God has revealed himself in himself, in Jesus. God bless you. In Jesus. This is why it's a profession from the heart. Because we are taking what God has revealed and receiving it within our heart and then professing it with our lips. The word creed comes from the Latin word credo, meaning I believe. Now in the early councils, great councils like Nicaea and Constantinople, they said, we believe. But in the liturgy, in many parts of the church, it begins with, I believe. So that we take what God has revealed to his church, what is the faith of the whole, and receive it personally within our hearts and profess it personally with our lips. I believe. And we say it together, of course, which is the we believe. Credo means I believe, and so we profess, making a personal profession. When we say I believe, and this is as far as we're going to get in the creed today, by the way, I believe. So you have to come back next Sunday. By the way, bring your friends Oh, this is being recorded. That's right. There's only a mere 500 people here. Yes. When we say, I believe, we're not saying something like, I believe the Red Sox are going to win the World Series next year. I don't believe that anyway. That's right. That's right. It's not saying, uh, oh, you're from uh, Marlboro, Massachusetts? So is my, I believe we know someone in common. See, it's not, when we say I believe something we hope to be true, it's not that kind of I believe. What kind of believe is it? Rather, it is a profession of what God himself has revealed to us. It's not a matter of hope but a profession from the faith, of the faith. It's something that bubbles up from the heart and flows from our lips. Can you imagine how different reciting 
for a lack of better word, the Nicene Creed would be every week if we remembered these things. That what we're praying, what we're professing, is what God has revealed to us. That this is something that God has placed in our hearts. So, each of these uh, sermons in the series will end with this question, what does this all mean for us? So here's the answer. Remember these things today. We are, making, we are not making a statement of faith, but a profession of faith from the heart. Secondly, the creed does not articulate what man believes about God, but what God has revealed to man about himself. Thirdly, that it is a living faith because it is the Holy Spirit who is the Lord and giver of life who has placed the faith within our hearts that it may overflow from us and from our lips. And then lastly, allow the revelation of God that we pray and profess in the creed to not only overflow from your heart through your lips as you join your voice to Christians in every age until the second coming of Jesus, but allow it to go the other way as well. Pray, Lord, allow these words to sink deeply into my heart to take root, to change my life. For the words of the Nicene Creed are no ordinary words, my friends. They articulate the revelation of God himself in Holy Scripture. And Holy Scripture is the very word of God. Please think about that today when you profess that faith when you join your voice to those in every age in the church until the second coming of our Lord. Amen.